Hi, this is Dave Brock of Partners in Excellence, welcoming you to another one of our, our series of interviews with, you know, some of the some of the top sales operations executives that I know. I think sales operations is really, you know, one of the most strategic critical roles in sales organizations these days. And I'm just really delighted to have a friend of mine, Catherine Tate, uh, join me for this discussion and to, to kind of share some views and some, some kind of cool discussions, I hope. Catherine, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity. I really do appreciate that. Well, I'm really excited about, the, you know, as we've kind of prepared for this, I'm really excited about what we're talking about. First, before we go much further, can you tell folks, I haven't even introduced you properly, but uh, can you tell folks a, a little bit about who you are and, and, and about yourself? Um, certainly. So I am the VP of Global Sales Operations uh, for Attachmate. Um, we are part of a, a larger organization called the Attachmate Group, which has uh, four different business units. Um, and I'm actually um, supporting all four of those business units in one way, shape, or form um, from a sales operations standpoint. So I have two business units that I am solely accountable for from a sales operations standpoint, and then my team is structured to support all of the business units um, across the attachment group. So we sort of have a, a um, mixed reporting and, and functional support uh, scenario, but it seems to work really well, and it, it gives us lots of challenges and opportunities to share best practices even within our own organization. So it sounds like you have bosses pulling you in, lots of bosses pulling you in different directions and lots of balls <laughs> to juggle and, and those kinds of things. Yeah, lots of customers. I'll look at it that way. Okay, good, good. Well, let's kind of jump into it. And, you know, I mean, all of us in sales have been faced with, you know, I think really kind of at least the biggest changes I've seen in, in professional selling um, in my career. I mean, in the last three years, four years, things have changed profoundly. And and we're really, you know, organizations are really struggling with, you know, how do we respond to the customer and engage customers differently than we have in the past? And from an executive level, how do we get all, everybody in our organization aligned and, and performing at the highest levels possible? Um, you know, as, as you look at supporting, you know, the, the various groups that you're supporting, the various customers that you're supporting, what are the, the top three or four challenges that you're seeing salespeople and, and, and the whole organization face in terms of engaging customers? Um, certainly. So to, to give a little more context to this conversation, I'll, I'll give a short view of, of what I see our role and responsibility as sales operations, um, which is that I believe that we enable sales. And, and my definition of this is that we enable sales for our sellers, we enable it for our partners, and we also enable it for our customers. So as we look at how our customers buy, how they um, 
how they need to utilize our SKUs, what our licensing looks like, what our pricing looks like, um, how we support our channel as they're um, driving business for us and we're providing them information from price list to product information to licensing information. Um, and then again, our sellers um, and that and that is really everything that they need to be successful in engaging their customers. So um, from, our, from our seller's standpoint, like you had asked, I'd say that one of the biggest challenges is looking at how do we make sure that they have the information and the, the tools that they need um, so that they can spend most of their time engaging and selling to customers. I don't want to overly burden them with um, a bunch of administrative work or manual work um, where they're not actively selling. So whatever we can do to help them um, spend more of their time with customers and actively selling, that's where we play a role in enabling sales for our sellers. Um, so from a so you know information, it's really uh, one of the hot topics right now is. Communication. So how do we share information with our sellers um, so that they have what they need? You know, when so there's they a lot of that things like content and playbooks and, you know, key strategies and how to execute those strategies in the face of the customer and, and that sort of stuff. Right. Right. And and honestly, within our organization, you know, we you know, we don't have the big tools and infrastructure um, that a lot of vendors will provide in doing that. So how can yeah. we make that really simple um, and still give sellers just in time information um, so that they can be successful? Well, you just mentioned some, I, I, I'm, I'm going to jump on to it because I think it's really kind of an interesting concept, this whole concept of just in time. What do you mean by that? Uh, um, and how do your, your sellers use just-in-time information? Um, well, I, they probably don't think that they need just-in-time, but we find that as we are communicating new policies, if we're communicating um, new playbooks, things like that, you know, not everybody sits down and reads those cover to cover, um, nor, nor do they remember anything that they need. So, so when they are preparing for that customer visit, you know, as they're trying to generate a quote, that's when they need the information. And um, so whether they've read it three times um, and they just need to refer back to it or whether they just don't ever remember seeing it before, the ability for them to find what they need so that they can move forward with that task. Yeah, see, and I think that's something that we don't spend a, enough attention on. And, well, and I think to some degree we waste a lot of money with training and, and you know, all sorts of content and things like that where, you know, the, the salesperson doesn't know what he or she needs until that moment that they're about ready to engage the customer. Then they want to say, aha, this is what I need for this call or for this situation, and they mm -hmm. need to be easily be able to access it and, 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 and leverage it right away. But, you know, if, if I was trained on it three months ago, I forgot all about it, so I have to kind of relearn it mm -hmm. right yeah. now. So. Yeah, and honestly, they, um, if they can't find it quickly, they're going to give up. Yeah. Um, or, or they're going to make it up. Right? So they're going to make their own decision of what they think the answer should be or what they think the policy should be, and that's not the right solution either. Yeah. You have another dimension to it that, that's really kind of interesting that we haven't 
I haven't chatted to anybody about yet is your channel partners. Um, you know, they're independent organizations with with kind of maybe not the same priorities and same focus um, as as a t the attachment group uh, set of companies. How do you? What are the things that you're doing to help enable them? You know, we you know fight for mind share. Um, you know, get them the tools and things like that. What are some of the things that you're trying to do, and and what do you see important in, in really helping? You know, ideally, you want them to wake up in the morning and spend, say, you know, what attachment products can I go out and sell today? Mm -hmm. um, so a couple things that come to mind um, would be consistency in how we deliver information. So this is true both for our sellers and for our channel partners. So, you know, if we're doing updates to price lists, you know, let's do that once a month on a regular prescribed schedule um, uh, so that they know that attachment always updates their price list on the first of the month, and um, and if there are changes, that I need to go pull them then. So I would say having a consistent way of delivering information and, and delivering changes to both the sellers and, and the channel um, is really important. Um, the, the other aspect of it is really um, getting them to engage with you. So the simpler you are to to engaging with them, the better off you're going to be. So, I, so um, let, let me rephrase this, which is, you know, one of our focus areas is, is being easy to do business with. And so, you know, we want to make sure that our licensing models are easy for a channel partner to implement and easy for a customer to understand. Um, and so the more complexity there is, um, in a licensing model or in um, how you sell or, or what's required of that channel partner, the less likely they are going to be to engage with you because it's too hard to do business with you. And so, so having a focus on that being easy to do business with is also important as far as delivering and, and engaging with those channel partners. Yeah, I met with a, a gentleman a number of years ago. He ran a, a fairly big organization that was a channel partner for a lot of high technology products and and he, he was he had a PhD in physics so he really was analytic in the way he looked at things and he created this thing called the hassle factor um, <laughs> you know and being a physicist he created he literally created an equation you know, mm -hmm. so he could say you know if I you know if this is what our, our, our channel partners are doing and he could create this mathematical equation and create a hassle factor. And he said, you know, once the hassle factor exceeds this number, um, we just aren't going to sell their product anymore. It's not profitable for us. And, and it, it, what he was really trying to do is really reflect this, how easy are they to do business with, you know, um, you know, how, you know, can we get the information we need? Can we get the support? Um, um, you know, and can we do it? Is it that it's a profitable business for us to run? So this whole thing around ease of doing business, you know, you could have the hottest product in the world, but uh, if partners have a real high hassle factor in, in dealing with you, um, they aren't going to make money off of it and they aren't going to go sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean the channel. It truly is an extension of our field sales organization, and um, you know they're they're a, they're a customer, and 
um, they're a partner at the same time. And, um, and you really have to keep that in mind and, and, and share as much information as you can with them to help them be successful. And their requirements are the same as the field sales organization. You know, they need that just-in-time information, and so how do you get that to them? Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is that I'm, I'm detecting a little bit of this, is that, um, you know, so often we kind of treat them differently from the organization just because, I mean, they're literally a different company or organization. But the more we treat them, you know, as really an integrated part of our organization, um, you know, I've always seen that they respond to it, they respect it, and, and embrace it for the most part. Um mm -hmm and get engaged, um, you know, so I think that's really important. What about, you know, as a, as a VP of sales operations, you're kind of at the, at kind of the confluence point or the intersection point of a lot of things going on. You kind of represent product marketing, product management, marketing, out to the field and through the field to the customers. Uh, you represent the customers, channel partners, and salespeople back into the company and kind of, you know, are the advocate for them into the organization. Um, what, um, what are the big issues in, that you see in kind of, you know, serving that role responsibly, and, and and what are some of the the things that that you look to do to to you know to kind of maybe you know from not the inside out but from the outside in say you know make sure that that marketing product marketing product management and the rest of the organization understands what they need to do to help support you and in, in enabling the salespeople. Um. Yeah, I, I find this one of the most invigorating parts of being in sales operations, particularly at the organizations um, that I'm working with, is is the ability to have all those interactions with finance and marketing and sales and IT um, and, and HR and, and, and just everybody in, in, in what I would call connecting the dots um, yeah. between those groups. And I wouldn't say that that sales operations is the only liaison or the only bridge between those organizations. I mean, we have, um, we're fortunate enough to have, I think, really good communication between all those groups. But being able to step back and look at things from a process standpoint and from a um, from an opportunity and efficiency standpoint and saying, you know, what if we could do it this way. You know, what if we were to look at this lead generation um, activity um, differently and, and follow the process through the systems and have our system support it this way? So I think, you know, being able to really step back and look at the big picture, but then also understand, um, you know, what it means to be a salesperson sitting in front of their laptop or their mobile device and trying to, you know, do the things that we ask them to do with the systems um, and, and put ourselves in the sales shoes, but then also extend that out and, and engage those conversations and get the right people involved um, to help solve problems and, and help our sellers sell. Yeah, that's, I mean, you took some words right out of my mouth. It, you know, it, it's that the kind of, you know, I think one of the really interesting positions that sales operations is in is, is 
you get, do get to step back and see the big picture, and you get to see how the different kind of pieces, parts, fit together or how they need to fit together better. I mean, if, if, you know, if I'm a field salesperson, I may be dealing with a product marketing person, but it's probably around a deal or around a customer. And if I'm a field sales manager, it's probably, you know, very, very kind of focused issues. So, you know, uh, even if I'm dealing with the rest of the organization. So, you know, you need to have some function within the sales organization that kind of is is stepping back and kind of looking at, you know, how does this all fit, you know, and are there different ways of, of putting this together that enable us to be much more impactful with the customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes and I, it's... Go ahead. Sometimes it's as easy as, you know, you talk about, you know, product marketing and looking at the products is, you know, talking with them around, so how are you going to communicate this to the field, you know, this new great product, and, and, and helping them understand that it needs to be, you know, in the what's in it for me from a sales standpoint, and then what's in it for, and then, and then helping that salesperson then translate that into what's in it for the customers. Right. And, um, and that's not always how product marketing thinks about things. And um, so just helping people make those connections of, of, you know, from a communication standpoint, how do we do that? From a process standpoint, what's the best lead flow for this particular product? Maybe it's not the standard process. Well, and, you know, and that's so powerful because, I mean, it's natural for a product marketing person to be, you know, just kind of tunnel vision and focused on, you know, their product and, and their way of viewing things. And, and so, you know, that tunnel vision kind of creates some blinders for them. So, you know, the role that you play in kind of saying, you know, how can I help you achieve your objectives with the product, but in a way that will engage our salespeople and it will allow them to engage our customers more more impactfully. Um, you know, and so I kind of like, you know, again, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know whether you call it a traffic cop or kind of an integrator or, or whatever, but, you know, that function really is critical. Otherwise, you know, having been on, on in organizations where there hasn't been that kind of coordinating role is, you know, from the side of the salesperson, it just sometimes it looks like chaos coming at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you really do need to have a commitment and engagement from everybody to be at least sharing their projects and sharing their information so that someone can connect, can connect those dots and start seeing where things are flowing or where they're not flowing from an information exchange standpoint. Um, but, you know, communication is – we're talking a lot about it today, um, and it's not something that I think most sales operations people – um, look to as part of their core responsibility. You know, they look at metrics and they look at, at um, and, you know, how things are measured and they may look at process, but um, that really doesn't mean anything until you figure out how you can communicate it. Right, right, right. Good. Um, when we started this conversation, you also said something that was real interesting to me. Um, and interesting in terms of some data I've seen recently, it, it's, and it's the whole concept around increasing the time available to sell. Um, and I've seen some just startling data uh, recently. I was on the converse, on a, the phone with the, you know, some people in a Fortune 
50 organization that was actually the division, a division in a Fortune 50 organization, and they're talking about the time that their salespeople had available for selling, and it was somewhere in the range of 11 to 13 percent of the time. Uh, and you start asking them, well, what's happening to the other, you know, 87 to 89% of the time? Where are they spending that? Um, and they didn't know. And, you know, as we've started kind of peeling that back and starting to say, you know, where are they spending all that time? And a lot of that is, is in that, you know, communication within the organization and trying to, you know, trying to sort things out or, you know, people in the organization trying to reach out to the salespeople or salespeople reaching in and, and, you know, kind of unwittingly. And it seems to me the larger the organization, the more of kind of an unconscious impact that starts having and, and our time starts getting drained away. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of trends are you seeing and are you seeing in terms of time available for selling um, and how to protect that salesperson's time. I mean, there is a certain amount of, you know, reporting and kind of internal meeting and things that we need salespeople to do. But what, in, in the, you know, the tools help make them free up time to make it you know, so that they can sell. But what are some of the big time drains that you tend to see and, and some of the things that you're trying to fix in terms of time available for selling? Mm -hmm. So I would say, um, you know, certainly there's always, you know, administrative work that's required, whether it's, you know, updating Siebel with, you know, and, or the, the CRM system with contact and opportunity information. Um, it's, um, you know, managing pipeline. It's, you know, there's always that aspect of it, which is, which is a requirement. And so just whatever we can do to make those processes as efficient as possible. So, um, you know, fewer clicks. Um, uh, fewer steps to update information, uh, make it easier to get new contacts in there, et cetera. Um, I would say probably the biggest um, time suck is, is the research, um, unproductive research that a rep might have to do. Um, and, you know, there's so many sources of data now, whether it's, you know, our own CRM system, if it's our own reporting database, if it's out on the web, if it's some of the third-party uh, tools that we may engage, um, there's, you know, there's all the LinkedIn and, right. and, and um, you know, Twitter research that is now becoming important. And, um, you know, and you can say that, yes, that's an important part of selling because you're, you're learning what's important about your uh, important to your customer so that you can engage in a conversation. So I would still say that that's time selling because you're preparing for that important conversation. Right. But it's the unproductive research that I think is where um, uh, we probably have the biggest opportunity to, to gain some time back. Yeah, I think there's kind of the difference between finding the information in absorbing and, and incorporating that information into what you, you intend to do. And, and you want the, the salesperson to, you know, understand and comprehend it and incorporate that research into that preparation for the next call or developing the, the, the sales strategy or whatever. But you don't want them to spend, you know, hours and hours typing www.google and, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, trying to find, you know, find the information. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, or you know, even building a new PowerPoint deck. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. I, I can't quote the exact numbers around this, but um, you know, most salespeople don't use the PowerPoint decks that marketing delivers, <laughs> and they create their own. So, how much time, you know, on each rep's yeah. basis, are those reps spending creating their own decks? And um, you know, and is there a better way that if someone's got a great deck, how do you share that easily yeah. without having a big infrastructure tool behind it? Um, and and that's something that we have always struggled with: with how do we how do we have reps share information um, more readily so that there's less time reproducing work? Well, yeah, I mean, you're talking about I mean the big fashionable buzzword that's going around a lot in that right now is collaboration and mm-hmm. you know I, 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 I hear you know there's a lot of people talking about collaboration they generally tend to talk about it more from you know a technology point of view whether it's you know the tools that we use to collaborate whether uh, I know you're a sales uh, rather a Siebel shop but you know in Salesforce there's chatter and there's mm-hmm. you know I guess Yammer and and a whole bunch of other kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And those are the technologies. But how do you, you know, what is it in terms of, you know, building a culture of collaboration and sharing and, you know, and and getting people to kind of pull together and help out? What are some of the things that you see, you know, maybe Attachmate doing or other organizations doing to really build that culture of collaboration and sharing? Um. Well, I would say we definitely have not cracked this nut yet. I mean, <laughs> people are willing to collaborate, but then the you know the actual happening of that is um, takes time, right? You have to invest time in that. Um, and actually, just this morning, um, the uh, one of my colleagues had mentioned, um, you know, we have to remember that in this exchange, it's a give and get. That you can't just show up to this meeting and expect to only get information. You have to come with your tidbit, with your insight to this meeting so that other people can get. And so he, he just called it a, you know, a give and get session. And I thought that was very helpful in, in remembering that collaboration is not one way, that we all have to contribute to that. We all have to bring the insight into those meetings and those conversations. And, um, and then as a result, we will all take something away from that. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, and maybe I'm betraying my bad habits when I was a sales guy, but, you know, I'd always tend to be a bit of a hoarder, and I'd, I'd you know, take everything that I could get from everybody else but kind of keep it all to myself and not share it. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so it does really, you know, have a mentality shift, and I, th- I, I kind of like the phraseology of give and get to you know, keep it in the forefront of people's minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think that you didn't share because you wanted to keep it all to yourself. You potentially didn't share because it either took time to do it, and that was time that didn't seem beneficial to you, or, um, you know, and a lot of people say, well, you know, it's, it's not great. You know, I, I, let me clean it up a little bit. Let me take care yeah. of that. You know, I don't want to share it until it's really good. Well, in that case, nobody's ever going to share anything because it will never be perfect. Yeah, uh, and that's it. Well, and part of it too is is you know when you know when people came to me, you know I'd always say, oh here's what I'm doing, so on and so forth, and you'd share. But it had to be somebody coming to me rather than me, you know, trying to you know, uh, you know, give something out. And 
you know, and I think part of it was I was just so busy managing my territory and my time that I just mm-hmm. forgot to share and forgot to go talk to people and mm-hmm. also, you know, forgot the, how much I could learn from people. And here I think, you know, some of the technologies coming out that make it easier to do that um, yes. are really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think, you know, it, it really does start from kind of the cultural piece that says, you know, where, where like your colleague is saying, you know, it, it is a give and get kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, we, we're, we become better sales professionals and better business professionals by exchanging and sharing ideas um, mm-hmm. uh, and not, not just expecting to get ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can extend that into the customer conversation as well, and you think about you're bringing you know the whole um, insight based selling, bringing insight into the customer while you are giving to the customer, um, and 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 openly doing that, and you will get something in return. The customer gets something, and and if you learn something back from that customer, then you know you have that collaborative give and get scenario. Well, you know, and it's amazing to me that once you start getting into that, in, uh, you know, is is that it is that kind of collaborative thing, and, and between you and the customer, you start coming up with solutions that are better than either of you could have done, you know, what we could have pitched to them or what they might have figured out themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and the real trick, I, I think the real trick around insight selling is, is, how do we initiate those conversations and then how do we sustain those conversations through the whole customer buying cycle? And I think, you know, me getting on my soapbox a little bit is I think too much of the time we focus on kind of the the pitching or presentation of the insight, but not that that's the starting point in a conversation and it's the starting point in kind of a collaboration through the entire buying process. Yeah. Good. Go ahead. You were about to say something. Oh, I, I just was um, kind of wrapping around this, you know, some of the earlier things that we um, had mentioned, you know, talking about how do you share information and the just-in-time information, that, that insight that we need to share with the customer is um, some of the hardest thing, I think, to, you know, capture and, and communicate and document, document and make it available to the sales reps when they need that, and that's something that we've um, been exploring here of how do you capture insight um, so that it can be shared across the sales organization so that they can use it when they need to talk. What are some of the things you're discovering? Because that's, I mean, I just had somebody ask me about that the other day. I mean, they're struggling with that. Um, a couple of things, a couple of approaches that we're taking is that um, we've structured um, what I would call stories or insight around an issue action impact format. So yeah. being able to put a particular structure around it so that um, as you're telling a story, it's easy to remember the three steps that you need to go through. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to figure out a way of, of how do you collect these stories, how do you engage the sales reps to contribute those stories as well as use them. Um, certainly they are very vertical focused or very functionally focused. So, um, you know, trying to help them be organized from either a healthcare, financial services, or insurance standpoint, um, or from a functional, um, you know, uh, a sales standpoint, or you're talking to a customer service uh, organization, or you're talking to a uh, manu- uh, 
you know, someone who's, who's responsible for production um, in being able to organize those stories. But it's, it's, um, it's challenging both to, to document it, make it available, um, and then we're finding it's also difficult for the sales reps to start utilizing that in their customer conversations um, and not go straight to product, not go straight to, and this is how we can, this is why we're important here. It's like, no, you're, you're, you're helping from a business perspective, not just from a, a, a product perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, you know, we can, it's so easy to revert back into that product behavior. It's so easy to be, you know, you start the conversation one place and all of a sudden the the customer says something kind of unwittingly that triggers you into your product pitch. You know, I heard these words and, mm-hmm. and they, it provided me the great launching point to talk about my product. And, and you forget that, you know, maybe let me hold back a little bit until I, I, you know, we get more engaged in the conversation and introduce the product at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for right now, as far you know, what are we doing to help make this a more regular part of our customer conversations or providing the, the resources? Um, and then, um, you know, looking to managers to make sure that they're practicing regularly, whether it's in team meetings or with the reps one-on-one and, and asking people to really use that issue action impact structure for bringing insight into the, into the conversations. I really like that kind of the formula you have. I mean, it, it makes a huge amount of sense, and it's something that, you know, I can see the salespeople really, if you if you start constructing stories in that kind of format, it starts becoming almost muscle memory be, be, behavior for them. So, mm-hmm. cool. And the, um, as, as I've talked to, to reps, um, the hardest part of this is the action piece because the action they always want to say, well, we brought in this product. It's like, no, that's not the action. What did the customer do? The customer solved it by what? And, um, you know, and again, really keeping that product conversation out because it's all about what did, what was the customer's issue? What action did the customer take, which is not buying a product, um, but they took some action, some process or, 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 or change, and then, you know, what were the results? What was the impact of that from a customer perspective? Yeah, well, and that, I think, is part of the story that, that I think is so important that people miss is that, you know, the real effect of kind of um, um, insight conversation with uh, the insightful conversation with the customer really, I think, has a, a couple of elements to it. One is the story, and two is the data. Mm-hmm. And how you, you know, and the action piece has a little bit of the data connotation to it. I mean, even if I kind of report back to, you know, you look at the Challenger sales book and what uh, Matt and Brent did is one of the things that was so compelling about the way they did what they did was they had just a really compelling s- story about selling and they had compelling data that kind of supported and integrated with the story and and I think either one of those by itself just the the, the research you know here's what challengers do here's what uh, relationship guys do uh, problem solvers and so on I think that 
data by itself would have been interesting, but people wouldn't have done much. I think the story about challengers would have been interesting, but people wouldn't have done much. But the fact they, that they integrated that real nicely together, the story and, and, and the data, had an impact that nobody's had in, in 20 years of, of talking about this stuff. And I think likewise, as we get into kind of insightful or challenging conversations with our, our customers, it's, you know, how do we interleave the story about um, the issue and, and the action and the data around, you know, action and impact and, and things like that to have kind of a complete picture. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, we've gone a long time. What I'd like to, you know, kind of in wrapping this, um, you know, two years, if you could think far enough down the road, two years, three years from now, what do you think that top three issues VPs of sales operations are going to be talking about in, in leading their leading the sales organizations on? Is it more kind of of how we do insight, how we collaborate, you know, those kinds of things? Or, or do you, what other issues do you see them them spending a lot of time helping to sell, in, enable the sales organization with? Uh, wow, two to three years is a long time out there. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. eight to 12 quarters away. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, my my initial gut level reaction is that um, that will be continue to be focused on the same things, which is um, you know selling you know the processes that support selling, um, the selling skills of the reps. Um, you know, and right now we're talking about insight based selling and and how do you bring that into your conversation and and that's really part of the selling skills, the conversational skills. So we'll, we'll be continue to look at that. Um, you know, always the the change in technology and and the impact that that has on on our sellers, whether it's the tools that we provide or how they um, access and consume information. Um, I think that will continue to be top of mind for all of us. Um, but you know, you think ten years ago we were talking about. CRM. Now, it may not have been called CRM 10 years ago. Well, 15 years ago, it may not have been called CRM, but, um, you know, and we're still talking about that and how do we make that better and how do we make it more functional. It's the same, it's the same information that we're trying to get at. We just are using it via a different platform, um, maybe have some different fields, but we, you know, we're still always looking at how do we make CRM better for our sales reps. So I don't think that the issues are going to change, but I do think that the environment in which we are selling and how we need to engage in those processes and systems and um, uh, selling skills will evolve. And we just need to have to stay on top of, of the, the impact that the environment has on our customers and our sellers. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you saying that. To, to some degree, I think I may have unwittingly asked you a, a, a trick question. Um, I, I'm not smart enough to ask trick questions, <laughs> but, but but it's you know is, and I think we lose sight of it. Is the underlying principles that we're talking about, uh, you know, are are still there? They're the same principles that I learned when I I first started selling, and and you know, so the basic 
you know, principles and fundamentals, I think, remain reasonably constant. But the way we implement or execute it will will change based on, you know, the way customers change, the way markets change, the, the new tools, the new processes, and things like that, and how we leverage them. So, um, you know, and I think too often we, we lose sight of that is, is, you know, and we get excited about discussions about technology, but not the underlying principles of what is it that we're trying to achieve? Why are we trying to achieve it? And then now how do these things help me achieve it more effectively today than what I was doing yesterday? Mm-hmm. Um, and so on. But, you know, again, I think, you know, as long as we keep ourselves kind of well-grounded in, in in the core principles, and then now how do we execute today as effectively as possible, leveraging new new concepts, new tools, and new approaches. Um, you know, that's the magic to high-performing selling, I think. Yeah, I would agree well, with you. Well, super. Well, thanks so much. I've really enjoyed this. It's It's been fun talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Um, and great. Thank you, Catherine. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Dave.